Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. Today's date, January 15th, Martin Luther King Day. Thank you to Dr. King for all that he has done for the civil rights movement in this country. Episode 20 of today's uh, podcast. So let's talk about what we're going to get into today. Five topics. Number one, we look at the Lakers, a team that's been struggling as of late, losers of seven in the last time. What's going on with the Lakers and can it be fixed? Secondly, we'll look at the trade that took place between the Wizards and Detroit. Odd trade between two teams that are worst teams in the NBA. But it made sense, particularly for a team like Detroit. Third, we look at the Orlando Magic. Although they beat the Knicks today 98-94, they have been struggling as of late. They've dropped all the way back to eighth in the Eastern Conference after their win they just had. Are they coming back to the pack? Or what's kind of the ceiling for a team like Orlando? Fourth, we look at my hometown team, the New York Knicks. I give you my starting lineup all time in New York Knicks. And last, we go into the college game with all the madness that went on this week with all everybody getting picked off. Who are my four teams to make the Final Four today? Let's get started with the Lakers, the biggest team in the NBA. Why? Because of LeBron James. A Lakers team, folks, that's really playing Poor basketball, losers of seven out of the last 10. And you're looking at a 19-21 record, 11th place in a loaded Western Conference. And when you look at it, let's just look at some of the losses they've had this month. Whether it's a 110-99-96 loss at home to Miami, a 127-109 loss to the Suns, losing to the Grizzlies, a 127 to 113, and then even probably the one that's the scariest one uh, is probably that 132-125 loss they had at Utah. And it's a Lakers team, folks, that just hasn't been playing well, and and metrics have been poor, and it's really something that's been of concern with the Lakers because you don't know how you can fix a team that I would say that's fluid like this, right? So when you look at the Lakers, folks, you know, we talked about the play of LeBron James, who's been absolutely fantastic. And this is never a knock on the King shooting, uh, playing, getting 24.9 points per game, seven rebounds, 7.6 assists per game. And LeBron's been doing what he's had to do. Now, one thing that you've kind of noticed is uh, his three-point shooting percentage is down to 31.1% in the last 10 games. That is something of note. Uh his assists have been up. His rebounds are down. His turnovers still getting three turnovers a game. So LeBron is not shooting them all well from three, but he's giving you what he has to give you. Anthony Davis, the Mercurial Anthony Davis, giving you 25.1. You know, he's giving you in the last 10 games, uh, scoring at 27 points per game, 11.2 rebounds per game, 4.6 assists, 2.7 blocks. You know, he's giving you what he's been giving you. 
But it's the play of the others which continues to be a trend, a problem. A guy like D'Angelo Russell, uh, who has given you 15.9 points per game, shooting at 42.9% for three, 50% from four last seven games he's played. So he's been pretty good. But you got to start peeling back after those first couple of guys to start talking about what's going on. Is it someone uh, like, like an Austin Reeves, who's still playing pretty well at 15 points per game? Someone that's been talked about, folks, in trade rumors. But then you start getting to the guys that should be playing better. A guy like Rui Hachimura, who is shooting 15.4% from three in his last five games played. You look at a, another player uh, like a Torian Prince, who got off to a, a, a good start to start the year but it's kind of regressed a little bit. It's the play of Jackson Hayes, who isn't getting time. It's the play of Vincent, who's hurt. It's the play of Cam Reddish, who shockingly, folks, is in the starting lineup. And what is he giving you? 36.4% from the floor his last eight games, giving you 4.6 points per contest. It's a guy like a Christian Wood, who, who's been to me, folks, an absolute bucket getter in this league. And he's given you 7.4 points per game at home, 7.6 points per game during uh, the regular season. So when you look at the, like, you know, the team, folks, that, that really is a flawed roster, right? So where, where do you go? Like, what do the Lakers need, right? They need, they need a, a two-guard. They need a two-guard. They can put the ball in the basket because – Cam Reddish, Max Christie, Vincent Hurt, that is not going to do it. Now, to me, you got to look at all sides, look at a guy like Zach Levine, right? A guy that can score, get his own shot, pretty good from three, and would be a good guy to put around a guy like uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. The problem that the Lakers have, folks, is you're going to have to move D'Angelo Russell. And D'Angelo Russell has no value on the trade market. No one wants a piece of D'Lo, rightfully so. You know, could you try and move Hachimura? Yeah. The problem the Lakers are going to have is you got to give to get. So that means probably losing Austin Reeves, more importantly. If you got to add D'Lo, you probably got to add Reeves to the deal. So I wonder if a deal if, if, around, let's say, Chicago, if, if they try and find a way to get like a, let's say, a Caruso-Levine to the Lakers. That could be enticing. Now, I don't know if Caruso's a starting guard in his league point guard, but I do think defensively he played with LeBron, knows how to play the right way. I think he would be a good fit. So let's look out and see what happens with the Lakers. They got to make a move, folks, because if you think this team that they're going to run out night after night is going to win the Western Conference, I can't see it, folks. I don't even know if they even make the final eight of the playoffs with the way they've been playing. There's got to be major changes made in La La Land, but there isn't a lot of tradable parts. So, you know, the coaching staff, and especially Rob Polink the GM, has really got to figure out what they're going to do to make a move. Speaking of making a move, let's look at the trade that just took place over the weekend between Detroit and the Wizards. Detroit uh, acquires Danilo Gallinari, Mike Muscala from Washington, and for the Wizards, they received Marvin Bagley III 
and livers along with two second round draft picks. And you're saying to yourself, why in the hell is Detroit and Washington? Now, if you start to look at it, let's look at it first for the Wizards. You got a guy like Marvin Bagley, who I think is better than a Daniel Gafford. Marvin Bagley, who, listen, he has his shortcomings uh, defensively in regards to getting stops, does Bagley. But he's been a pretty good player in this league, and he's put up decent sets. Remember, he's giving you 10.2, 4.5 rebounds per game, right? So that makes sense, especially if you're going to try and move off from Daniel Gafford, which I expect him to do so. Livers gives him a little bit of backup depth at the guard spot, especially with the fact that if you look at what happens this year, obviously with Tyus Jones being an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So that's what it does for a team uh, like Washington. When you look at Detroit, you're like, wait, what? Muscala? Like Gallinari? How do they fit? Well, Gallinari is going to be a veteran presence. He could be flipped again. He could be bought out after the trade deadline. Scala, same thing. You know, you think about the, 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 the Pistons, folks. There are other moves that need to be made, right? Look at a guy like an Alec Burks. Alec Burks has been a really good pro for a long time. He's someone that we've talked about on this podcast as someone that could bring some kind of value back as a guard off the bench, could play defense, could play on the ball, play off the ball. He's not really a point guard, but he can be a backup point guard if pressed to the duty. If you look at a guy like Bogdanovich, who we did not talk about, should be a prime candidate to be moved as he is someone that is a sniper, a shooter, a guy that could stretch the floor, uh, and, and a team that could use a, a, a scoring guy like that. So if you think about, like, Muscala being moved at some point, right? Gallinari should be moved at some point, unless bought out. You know, Bogdanovich being moved. Uh, Burks being moved. This lines up why the trade happens. Number one, I think you have a superstar in Cade Cunningham. Now, with Cade, it's always been about the injuries, the injuries, the injuries. You know, he has shown flashes uh, for this team of being a, a, a dynamic scorer and a guy that can really get his bucket. Cade right now getting you. 0.8, 7.3 points per game, top 10 in the NBA in assists, right? You go look at the big man, Jalen Doran, who's really progressed in year two. And the reason why Marvin Bagley was moved, and think about this, folks, you're not keeping Bagley, Wiseman, and Doran. One of the two had to go. So that's why Bagley went. But Jalen Doran giving you 14 points, 11.3 rebounds per game, playing some really good basketball, coming off a 20 and 19 game in the game in the win that they had one. 29-117 over Washington that took place uh, this afternoon on MLK Day. But this is where it starts to get interesting with the young core. What are you going to do with, with Asur Thompson, who, who I think needs the minutes, right? 8.1, 6.7, 2.1 assists, right? Only giving you 23.6 minutes per game. Like, this guy's got to get you 30 minutes a night. you got to see what you got in Asur Thompson. And if you, got, if you saw his minutes... Before Bogdanovich came back, he was putting up crazy stats, including double-doubles, as I would think one of the better rebounding guards in the NBA small forwards right off the jump. So let's see what happens when he gets moved. Uh, a guy like a Marcus Sasser, who is giving you 6.8, that's a reason why a guy like a Livers was moved because they wanted to give Mar uh, Marcus Sasser more playing time. Maybe look at it. Killian Hayes or someone else that could be moved as well to give Sasser more time 
And then there is the one guy that I just don't know what they're going to do with. And that's Jaden Ivey. A guy that's been so dynamic, was so talked about coming out of Purdue. Uh, I was praying that the Knicks were going to trip to get him. He didn't get him. You know, he's been better as of late, getting you uh, 15.7 points per game his last 10 games. Had a 24-7-6 and six game, but that's against Washington. What do you write home about? So why make the move? Here's why, folks. Salary cap relief. The Pistons are going to go all in and try to get a superstar to play with Kate. That is why they did this. Whether it's a free agent, try to hit him with the poison pill where they can't match, or to go make a trade and try and bring someone in. They have the space to do so. Now, funny thing is, is one of their draft picks has been traded to the Knicks, which would be a really big asset, which the Knicks covet, which then is lottery protected. But the Knicks may use that against Detroit to try and make a trade for what they go to get a superstar. So keep that in mind, what goes on in Detroit moving forward. The trade was about relief to get them a salary cap space to go make a move. But on the flip side for Washington, they got someone in Bagley, which means I think Daniel Gafford gets moved. And then you get a guy like Livers who then make maybe look at does Jones get moved. Let's move on to the Magic. Are they in trouble? Well, after today's game, you may think no. A 98-94 win that the Magic had at the Knicks. But the Magic have not been playing well as a late member, folks. They were one point third in the Eastern Conference. They slipped all the way down. I think now they're eighth as of right now, the second as we're recording after their 98-94 win. But remember, folks, they played the Knicks today. Julius Randle was absolutely horrible. Four for 18 from the floor and no Jalen Brunton. Chances are Randle will be better with Brunton because you can't load up. Chances are New York probably gets the win if Brunson plays and a little bit better Randall. But when you look at a team like Orlando, you know, Paul Carroll has been absolutely fantastic. 20 points and six rebounds today. It'll be interesting to see what happens in that all-star race. I think that last spot could come down to Randall and, and Paulo. Paulo, 22.9, uh, 7.2. Uh, last 10 games, really been playing well at 27.6 points per game. You know, but when you start looking at uh, a little bit deeper here, they, they miss Wagner. You know, they, they need to get uh, Wagner back, who's been out for an injury. Uh, Francis was giving you 20.9 points per game, 5.8 rebounds. So what happens, folks, is when you get a guy that gets knocked out one of your top two or three scores, other guys have to step up. So with Wagner being out, well, who's got to step up? Well, that's Cole Anthony, who was good today uh, with 15 points versus the Knicks. But if you look at the last 10 games, only giving you 9.9 points per game, 26.7% from three, 39.5% from the floor. Those are all lower than obviously what he was doing earlier this year. And, and, and Cole Anthony, who I think is a, a remarkable talent, a, a, a great scorer off the bench, has not been giving them what they needed in that recent slide. Then you go to the point guard play of Jalen Suggs, who at times, folks, can struggle shooting the ball. Now, I know he's been shooting 43.9% from three, last 10 games, but it's only 37.8 for, for the season. So let, let's kind of take in mind of what's going on there with Suggs uh, and his play a little bit better. So to me, it's about the health of Wagner and the fact that I do think a team like Orlando is going to need to make a trade to get more depth. And I would dare to say they need guys that have playoff experience 
right? So an Alex Burks we brought up before would be a, a good addition. A, a guy like uh, if you want to bring um, you know, someone like a Bogdanovich off the bench, that could be intriguing, right? So Orlando with a second unit of Markel Fultz, Cole Anthony, Joe Ingles, Jonathan Isaac, Wendell Carter, someone who's been often injured. So to me, center and someone off the bench, as Badaze has been doing a good job, but he's not a starting caliber center. Uh, you can't, you just can't trust Wendell Carter Jr. to stay healthy. So look, look for a trade for Orlando. And I think the trade you need to be looking at is, is something that would be, to me, a, a, like a three, like a stretch four, a three and D guy. And I also think a, a backup big. Daniel Gafford comes to mind. That would be a good addition for a team like Orlando. Let's move on to my hometown team, the New York Knicks. And I think we're going to start doing this, folks. We're going to go through some of the, the legendary franchises and, and, and go through what I think will be the all-time starting lineup. So when we talk about the Knicks starting lineup, let's go right to the point guard. And first, let me name the roster first before I go in detail. Let's go Walt Clyde Frazier at the point. Dick Barnett with that smooth baby J lefty at the two. Bernard King one of the most underrated players in the history of basketball. Think about if Bernard King never tore his ACL, how great he would be. At the power forward position, Charles Oakley was kind of the the, the, the enforcer of those great Nick teams in the, in the middle, or in, in the 90s. And obviously, Patrick Ewing at center. So let's start going through these guys one by one. First, let's start with Clyde Frazier, Hall of Famer, seven-time All-Star. Got you 19.3 points per game, 6.1 assists, or rebounds per game, 6.3 assists. And who will remember that 34, and here's the, the all-time Knicks starting line right there, like I said, Frazier, Barnett, King, Oakley, Ewing. And who can forget Game 7, 1970 Finals, Knicks-Lakers. Everybody wants to talk about the Walt Frazier game. And I'm not Walt Frazier, the Willis Reed game, coming out, limping out on the floor. But remember that 36-19 and 19 that Clyde Frazier just whipped Jerry West's ass from pillar to post in that game. Now you think about Clyde Frazier swishing and dishing his loud outfits that he wears on MSG Broadcasting the Knicks. <laughs> you also remember, Walt Frazier was one hell of a basketball player and a Hall of Famer. Next to the two-guard spot, this is where it got tricky for me because you can look at a lot of different people. You can look at um, Allen Houston. Uh, you can look at, he was more of a three, Latrell Sprewell. Uh, you can look at John Starks. But for me, because of the championship and the legacy, or you can look at Earl the Pearl Monroe. But Earl didn't play long enough in New York. So for me, I'm going to go with Dick Barnett, two-time NBA champion. He was a guard on the 70-73 Team smooth, had that lefty J, had the had the droopy eyes. But boy, Dick Barnett could play 15 points, six points per game for his career for the Knicks. One time also, just a smooth, crafty lefty that can get his own shot and was part of Red Holtzman's team with the Knicks in the 70s. Let's go to the small forward. And God damn it, this could be one of my three favorite players of all time. And that's Bernard King. Folks, if you don't know about Bernard King, please do me a favor and go look this man up and see what this man did 
as a neck before tearing his ACL? How about the back-to-back 50-point games he dropped, right? How about 1984 playoffs? Averages 40 points a game and has a big win in game five at Detroit versus Isaiah Thomas and the Detroit Pistons. And then who does he play? The big, bad Celtics. And they said, what'd they say? Oh, he's not scoring on us. Bernard King outplayed Larry Bird in that series. Go look it up. Go look up what Bernard King did to Larry Bird in that series. And a Nick team that had no business being with arguably the best team, one of the best teams of all time. Man, he took them to seven games. Because Bernard strapped them on his back and said, let's go. If Bernard King, who is a Hall of Famer, Four-time All-Star. Remember, folks, he tore his ACL, missed two years, went to the Bullets. You know him as the Wizards. Went to the Bullets and led the NBA in scoring and went back to an All-Star game after leaving the Knicks. If Bernard King did not tear his ACL, Bernard King would be the greatest Nick of all time. Better than Clyde. Better than Ewing. Better than Willis Reed. Better than Bill, Dollar Bill, Bill Bradley. And I'm taking Bernard King over Bill Bradley as a small forward. Think about how great Bernard King was. And put some respect on it. That's why when he goes back to the garden, the Bernard King, Fort Greene, Brooklyn. That's why when he goes back into New York in the Knicks games, he gets that respect. And that's why a guy like Carmelo Anthony, who I also took a Bernard King over him, who idolized Bernard King. I actually had those old school white and orange weapons back in the day because of Bernard King. Now let me stop. Let me just keep going. Power forward, Charles Oakley. It's a tough one to think about, right? Didn't win a championship. You could argue Dave DeBusher, right? You could say, well, you know, Carmelo had a, not Carmelo, uh, Stoudemire had a, a good year or two. You could say Julius Randle, right? But for me, it's Yoke Man, because he was the muscle. He was the enforcer. He was the guy that held it all together. I remember back in the day, like when the Knicks got Xavier McDaniel, and, he, and I had a post in my room. It was a picture of Ewing, Oakley, and X-Man like this. Like try to get into the lane and score. And he was the enforcer of those great defensive Pat Riley teams. It's a shame what's happened with Oak and Jim Dolan. The owner of the Knicks. I'm asking Dolan, do us, do us all a favor, okay, Mr. Dolan. Nobody cares about the the beef you got with Oakley. This guy is royalty. This guy is the reason why they, that that hard nosed defensive team was in the '90s. Do us all a favor, James Dolan. Drop the junk, let him back in, and put the number 34 in the Raptors up there at MSG where it belongs next to this man, and that's the greatest Nick of all time, and that's the big fella, the Hoya Destroyer, my favorite player growing up, Patrick Ewing. About 23 points per game, 10.4 rebounds, 2.4 blocks, 11-time All-Star, Rookie of the Year, Hall of Famer. I still remember the day that Patrick Ewing, but days for Patrick Ewing, right? Remember his first game, that dunk he had, over Moses Malone, right? First dunk, first score of the game, right? First basket. I remember him being such a disrespected superstar 
when he finally went to the finals and he put his arms up to, to thank, to basically tell everybody to hug him I, in 1994. I remember when Ewing got hurt and they announced after game two of the Eastern Conference Finals in 1999 versus the Pacers that he was out and seeing him cheer his teammates on. I also remember the first game he came back, me and my best friend, shout out to my, shout out to my best friend, Donnie McDermott. Hopefully he's listening. And, you know, Donnie and I went to the first game that Patrick Ewing played with Seattle. I will admit, I cried. I don't know if Donnie will admit it. Donnie cried. But so did everyone else. And to this day, that is probably one of the dark moments of New York Knicks history is trading Patrick Ewing. Kind of like uh, for a Met fan when the Mets traded Tom Seaver. He was our franchise. He was our guy. He was our big fella. And Patrick Ewing's the greatest Nick of all time. He's not even close. Um, so once again, my starting lineup for the New York Knicks, Walt Clyde Frazier at the point, Dick Barnett at the two, Bernard King at the three. Before we go with Charles Oakley, the five to go, Patrick Ewing. Obviously, there's other people you can think about uh, for this list. Allen Houston, Latrell Sprewell. Uh, Dave DeBusher, Bill Bradley, Willis Reed, Carmelo Anthony. There's a lot of greats in the history of New York Knicks. I just want them to win me a goddamn championship. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm 47 years old, and I, I, just, I just want them to win. I think they're on their way, but they need some more pieces. Let's end the podcast quickly by talking about the Final Four. Why? God damn it. I don't even know what the hell is going on in college basketball. I mean, if you're a road team, you're top 10. If you're a road team, top 10, and you're favored, Good luck getting a win. So now, as we reshape the board, who is Coach Young's final four? Funny thing is, if you go back to the beginning of the year, if I'm not mistaken, three out of my final four teams are still there. Leading off with the UConn Huskies at plus 250. They've been dynamic. They've been outstanding. I know they have the hiccups. They're playing without Donovan Klingon. They need the big fellow to get back. But the UConn team, which should be, should be when the polls come out, should be the number one team in the country, which they are, which came out today. I think they're the best team in the country, and they don't have Donovan Klingon. When they get Donovan Klingon back, when you look at the play of Tristan Newton, when you look at the the, ad, the addition of Cam Spencer, now leading the team in scoring at 15.6 points per game as a sniper, right? It, it's the expansive game of Alex Caravan. Right, uh, it's the castle starting to develop and get better and better and better. This team, led by Dan Hurley, is the best team in the country because they're tough. They defend. They don't make a ton of mistakes. Only turn the ball over ten point six turnovers per game, and that guy, that guy, Dan Hurley, can coach them up, and he will. And I'll tell you something, folks. You. you you saw an interesting thing by Rick Pitino over the weekend. No one works officials like Dan Hurley. I mean, nobody works an official over like Dan Hurley. Is he complaining? Maybe, maybe. But I'm a Jersey guy. I know the Hurleys. I just think he's coaching. Let's move on. Kentucky. Woo! Five and a half to one. Could have got it earlier. Could have got it cheaper. Could have got a better number. But they're playing as well as anybody in the country right now. And they have soared. They remember, folks, at one point, they were basically almost out of the top 25. 
And now they are making their way up the charts, right? They're now at 10, right? And I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. They, they've played, they've just lost to Texas A&M by five. There's nothing to write home about. I mean, I mean, I, thought I should say that. It's, it's still a good loss. But why am I big on Kentucky? Why not? I mean, look, look at this roster, folks. Who's who's more talented than them? You know, when you when you bring a, when you have a, a starting uh, a guy like Antonio Reese as, as an experience, uh, when you bring a, uh, you bring in uh, a freshman like an Aaron Bradshaw who's really turned the team around. Uh, when you look at uh, that guy Rob Dillingham coming off the bench, Rob Dillingham comes off the bench, y'all. Think about that, right? Trey Mitchell, some experience, right? DJ Wagner, they got a little bit of everything there, and with Cal. And obviously, you got to talk about the 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 guy that kind of holds it together and Reed Shepard, Bruiser Sprint right there, one of the best recruiters in the country. I'm gonna say this right now: Kentucky's going to Final Four, and they're the best team in the SEC. Let's move on to the Kansas Jayhawks. Why? They got one of the best coaches in the country in, in Bill Self, right? They 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 have an immense talent on their team. They got Hunter Dickinson to transfer in. Getting that low post threat, something they were missing last year. They they obviously have uh, a, a you know a player like uh, Harris at the point who can do so many things for your team, right? Uh, you know you got to look at a guy like Abrams at the, at the forward position, right? So they got so many ways that they can hit you. You know, I got to talk about Kevin McCullough coming back, right? So you have a lot, and and they got three guys that are getting you. 13 points a game or more, and Harris is giving me 7.1 assists. Key with Kansas is always going to be, can they make enough perimeter shots? If they can make enough perimeter shots from three, they'll be there. Lastly, Houston, two and a half to one, you're going to say, what? Houston just lost the last two games. On the road. On the road. And you could argue, if it wasn't for a terrible start, they could have beat Iowa State. They almost came all the way back. And then obviously, Losing at, I'm sorry, and then losing at TCU by one. You know, you could easily be 2 0. And if they're 2 0, where are they ranked? They're the number one team in the country. So Houston, who had lost two games in a row, still at plus 250 to make the final four, because I believe in that man, Kelvin Sampson. I think Kelvin Sampson, pound for pound, could be the best coach in the country. The only thing he hasn't done is won, was won a national championship. It's the only thing he hasn't done. But you look at that lineup. Cryer, Sharp, Jamal Shedd, Roberts, Dunn, Francis. Bro, they just got dudes, bro. They got dudes. And then when a push comes to shove, that man will have a defensive game plan to lock you down, and they will slow the game down. Think about this. 9.4 turnovers per game. They also don't give you faster opportunities. That's been, or this has been, your 20th episode. 20, man. We made it to 20, folks. It's been our 20th Betting Above the Rim podcast for all things basketball-related or anything sports gambling-related or sports-related. Just download that Sports Grid app. Pre-game, in-game, post-game, props, predictions for some of the best in the sports gambling business. Everything you need is right there. So whether it's Google Play Store, Android, you know, Apple, 
go and get that sports grid app. Next podcast will be Wednesday. One topic I'm going to get into, why NIL is failing college basketball. Had a good talk with a very dear friend of mine who's very well connected. Gave me some insight that really made me think. I want to share with you next podcast, so make sure you tune in. Once again, for Matt George and Vinny, who does our graphics, thank you for tuning in to this Betting Above the Rim podcast, episode 20. Remember, folks, smarter each our sports groups. Good night. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.